for my sake, somebody read reads 12 through 14 again. Okay, I'll read it. Okay. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth into the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Okay, so this is the sixth vial. So we've already had five vials of God's wrath that have been being poured out on the earth. And so the first vial was uh, people, whoever has the mark of the beast and worships his image, gets sores, and that vial is poured out on the earth. And the second vial is poured out on the sea, and the sea becomes blood. But it's unlike when the trumpets sounded, which were warnings, the whole sea becomes blood, right? Everything's being affected. This is the final wrath of God being poured out. The third trumpet was on the waters, right? The, the fresh water, yeah. So the fountains and everything. And again, they become blood, and the, somebody cries out, Lord, you're righteous to give this judgment because they shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you've given them blood to drink. The fourth vial was on the sun, and the sun starts scorching people with fire. And it makes a point that people, when they're scorched with the heat, they blaspheme the name of God, who has power over these plagues, which, again, we've talked about last week. Is, it's kind of ironic, because oh, okay. if you want the plague to stop, you shouldn't blaspheme the one who has the power over it, right? That seems, that seems foolish. And it says they didn't repent to give him glory. That phrase is really important because whether you're like a horrible person or not, even if you just don't give God glory, then you're already worthy of judgment just by not giving God glory because he's our creator, because he's the one who gives us life, because he's the one who gave us the fresh waters. He's the one who gave us the seas. I thought it said, it says, and they repented not to give him glory. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yes, they didn't they did not repent to give him glory. So they yeah, needed to okay. turn from not giving him glory to start giving him glory and they don't do that. And that that's where it has to start with us. We have to start with giving God glory. In Romans it says, because they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. And that's the situation. This is the judgment being poured out on that now. So they didn't repent to give him glory. And then, and again, these are all life-giving things. We need the sun for life. We need fresh water, right? We need all these things. Even just their very skin covered with boils. But all of these things are being turned into judgment. All the life-giving things are being turned to judgment. And then the fifth one is poured out on the seed of the beast. His very kingdom and authority. The kingdom is full of darkness. They're gnawing their tongues for pain. And again, blaspheme the God of heaven and repented not of their deeds. So both of those forms of repentance are necessary. We have to repent to give God glory. And we have to repent of our deeds, the things that we do wrong. And what we, what we had pointed out, like JJ said earlier, it lines up with all the trumpets. But in the trumpets, it was a third of the sea. And in the trumpets, it was a third of the fresh water and a third of the sun, moon, and stars. And the fifth one was, there was darkness, but it was only for five months, right? And the locusts came out and that whole thing. And it was for a limited period of time. But now we see it's like the full measure. It's the full cup of wrath that's being poured out. Now this sixth one also parallels with the trumpet. So the sixth vial is poured out where? The great river Euphrates. So do you guys remember, so this is going back quite a ways, but... 
We talked a little bit about the River Euphrates. What is significant about the River Euphrates? It goes for miles. It was the, the divider. Good. It goes from miles and life source to the Middle East. Natural, what else? Natural defense. It was a natural defense. That's excellent. What else? Somebody else said something? Uh, yeah, it's associated with Eden at the very beginning of the Bible. Good. But it was like a divider too, wasn't it? A... It was the boundary of the promised land that God gave to Abraham, that he promised to Abraham. He's again to Moses in Deuteronomy, again to Joshua. And David went and recovered the border all the way to Euphrates. What else was, Sister Jessica, what'd you say? I said it's where the angels are being kept. Yeah, and so the Euphrates River was that boundary line. To the east of the Euphrates is what? Uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, like, well, yeah. Un, un, ungodly empires. <laughs> All the ungodly empires that that were the enemies Babylon. of Israel. Babylon is to the east Babylon, of Euphrates. Persia. Yeah, Assyria was Persia. to the east. Persia was to the east. The Euphrates River was like the boundary line between like God's people and the enemies of God's people throughout throughout the story of Scripture. Even into the Roman period, like that was still that dividing line was the river Euphrates. So in the sixth trumpet, it said there was four angels that were being held there that were bound, and then they were loosed during the sixth trumpet, and that's when that two million man, or what was it, two? 200,000, 200, uh, and those crazy horses that came, right? And a third of men died because of that, uh, that great army that came. And now uh, this is being poured out on the river Euphrates and the river Euphrates is drying up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. So what, what biblical things, allusions can you think of about the river Euphrates drying up? Like what is that? What is the meaning behind that? Judgment for those evil kings. Yeah, well, yeah. But right now, the, the way is being prepared for the evil kings to come. For the kings of the east to come. Uh, was it Jerusalem that had, like, the real high walls and they stopped the water as a uh, tactic to, like, a war? Like, uh, they... Oh, sure, like in sieges where they, mm -hmm. they yeah, they block up the water so that they... Was yeah. it Jerusalem or which one? Uh, it had, like, the impenetrable walls so they just... They they seized the water flow. They 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 did do that at different times in Jerusalem's history. I think yeah. you you mentioned uh, last Bible study that uh, God had told. Uh, we went back. To, I can't remember. Maybe it was. I don't know. I don't think it was David, but it was. But he had to, he had told um, he had told them you need to give praise and you need to tell your people to worship God, but they didn't do that. So then he said, and he warned him. He said, if you don't worship God. You'll be overcome, and then in the end, they didn't know, but there was uh, I think it was Persia. They then came up against the against the um, the people of the Promised Land, and they took them over. Yeah, destroyed their yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because it's almost like a reverse Exodus, because like the waters of the Jordan or the Red Sea were dried up to allow Israel to pass through and destroy their enemies, and then but now the way is being prepared. For the kings of the east to come, and they're being they're being gathered together for something. And so the way of the kings of the east is prepared. And then he says, says he saw three unclean spirits like frogs. They're coming out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. So the dragon. Who's the dragon? Is this the first mention of the dragon? No, it's not. It's yeah. The dragon was introduced in chapter twelve. What's the context of of? his chapter like what is this like a vision he's having right now so the whole book of revelation is uh yeah is a vision god john is called up into heaven 
Um, and the Lord says, I'm going to show you things that'll come to pass. So this is a, like a heavenly perspective. And it's so, all linked together. It's not like individual like visions. It's all one. Yeah. Well, yeah, it just keeps going one after another. Like I saw okay. this and then I saw this okay. and then I saw this. We learned about the dragon earlier on. And who's the dragon? The devil, Satan. And, um, and then we learned about the beast in chapter 13. And the beast we see is representing these nations. Right? So it's like this governmental power. We see, we saw also a beast that was like, it looked like a lamb. It has horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. And it was causing everybody to worship the beast. And I believe that's the false prophet that's being referenced here. Satan, the spiritual power behind all these things. The beast, which I think is a governmental power. And then the false prophet, which seems to me to be like a religious power. And out of the mouth of these three forces, right, is coming unclean spirits, spirits of devils that are working miracles. And they're going out to all the kings of the earth to gather them together. So the the context of what he's talking about is the, like he's seeing visions of evil things happening. We started in the heavenly throne room okay. and there was a book that was sealed and uh, nobody could open the book. Right. And it's like, here's the here's the unfolding plan for what God's going to do. The, the goal of Revelation, what we're going towards is the new heavens and the new earth We're we're looking towards that. We're looking for the relationship with God to be restored, for there to be a new creation. But God has to bring judgment on this earth in order for that to happen. There has to be, um, he has to deal with all the evil in this world. That we saw seals being opened of the book and there was all these crazy things going on in the world. Um, and we saw martyrs that were killed for the Lord and they're crying out saying, Lord, how long until you avenge our blood? And they're told, you gotta wait a little while. And then we saw God was, there we saw seven angels with seven trumpets and they started blowing the trumpets. A trumpet is like to, call to action to get people's attention to give warning and so a third of different different elements were being affected and so we saw these warnings coming of like hey god's judgment's coming we saw two witnesses stand up and they're preaching and they're giving witness to who god is and they're killed but then they rise from the dead and are sending up into heaven and we see this beast rise up and it's and we see it's like this climax right these are this is the the battle like everything's culminating the dragon doesn't want to lose his authority so satan is fighting against the people of God, the beast is fighting against the people of God. And through it, we see that God has a people that he's bringing through, right? He has the, he has like the 144,000 that he's sealed. He has the, the saints of the most high that are being killed, but they are overcoming the beast. And so then, then this last, where we are at right now, again, in heaven, he sees seven angels coming out of the heavenly temple and they have seven bowls in their hand. And in the bulls, it says, are the vi these are the vials that are filled with the wrath of God. And they're the seven last plagues, is what it says. And so then it, he started pouring, the it, seven angels started pouring these seven last plagues on the earth. And so this is like that final culmination of God's like, all right, here's my judgment. It's, it's being poured out. Gotcha. And so, so far, it's been like targeted. Everyone who's taken the mark of the beast, those who have worshipped the image, right? They're all being affected by these seven last plagues. And then this one, we see... The kings of the earth, and they're coming, they're coming forth, they're being gathered together. And the and, kings of the earth is a reference to, like, Satan's side of things, or... Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, all, it's the rulers of this world, because God gave man authority over the world. So they're referencing, the like, literal king, like, that's the image that he's... Seeing. Yeah, all the authorities, the authorities over this world that have misused the power, the dominion that God's given them. And they're going to be called to account. And we'll, we'll look at some verses from the Old Testament to give us a little clarity on what he's talking about here. But first, let's talk about those three unclean spirits like frogs. 
So we're there's already some discussion about the frogs. Where else do we see frogs in the Bible? The plates. Yeah, and the so in Egypt, and so Brianna, you were talking about how fl- frogs are good because they like eat flies and stuff like that. And uh, in Egypt, they were considered a sign of fertility. They were also considered to be good because when the Nile would flood every year, all, there'd be all these frogs that would come out, and it was like a symbol of like, oh yeah, this is life. But then. What happened, just like that, how the sun's been turned against them, how the river's been turned to blood and all this stuff. There were so many frogs and they were everywhere. They're in their cooking pots. And the Egyptians even had like a goddess that they worshipped in that was like a frog goddess. And, and they considered them uh, signs of fertility because frogs multiply so quickly. So like we, we were talking about rabbits, like multiplying like rabbits or whatever. They would oh, talk about it with frogs. And in, I just actually read something earlier that in... Greek and Roman culture, they associated frogs with fertility, but also with like licentiousness. So like fornication and stuff, sexual promiscuity. And they they just associated frogs with that. That's kind of fitting if that's what's in people's minds when they're first reading this about the multiplication of these frogs. And we see these frogs going out to gather and they're, they're, it tells us they're the spirit of devils working miracles. And we already saw that Babylon is going to be judged because of the cup of the wine of her fornication. Babylon and God, and the people that are under Babylon's sway, they've been multiplying, but it's with the wine of this world. It's with the ideas and thoughts of this world. So are you saying that uh, these frogs, uh, or is the verse saying that these frogs are going out and working miracles? So the frogs are, are coming that. out of the mouths of these three, three you know, the, the prophets, mm-hmm. the beast, the, the dragon, and then going and doing miracles in yeah. front of the kings of the world mm-hmm. to gather them together. Yeah. Yeah. So it's using the frogs and that are going and doing the miracles that they're doing as a persuasion to bring That's right. the kings together. So are yeah. these like, pa- like the pastors equivalent? Like the equivalent of pastors but for the devil then? Yeah. yeah, in a sense, yeah, they're like they're apostles, yeah, or evangelistic like for yeah. uh, for the devil's agenda. So, so oh, in, in a sense, the 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 frogs are being false prophets, just kind of like where they came from. They came, not only did they come from false prophets, but they're false prophetting themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, and Jesus warned us that this was going to happen, right? He says, uh, he says to beware of false prophets. He says that they're going to come doing miracles even right we we talked about this a little bit when we in chapter 13 with the beast but they're coming to do miracles it says they're doing miracles and uh and in second thessalonians he talks about um the wicked will be revealed who the lord will slay with the breath of his mouth right um and he's his coming is after the working of satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in those who don't receive a love for the truth that they might be saved. I got a question. So, you, so it says they're going to come working miracles. Are they like, he, does it describe what kind of miracles they're doing, like healing miracles? Because Pharaoh's false magicians and stuff were doing miracles as yeah. well. They were only making the problem worse. I, I think that's a great parallel of the kinds of things they're going to be doing. In Revelation 13, we got some samples. Do you remember what it said the false prophet was doing? In Revelation 13. In Revelation 13, yeah, it said... Uh, healed the wound of... Yeah, so the oh, wound yeah. of the beast was healed, this deadly wound. And then we saw that um, he caused the image of the beast to speak and to be able to kill anybody who didn't worship the beast. That's a good miracle. 
and even to call fire down from heaven. The thing that we, I think so important for us to see here is that miracles alone are not enough to convince us to do something. They should not be enough. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. What What is the way we can keep from being deceived if people are doing things that that are that seem like they're miraculous? You know, it's like, wow. Okay, you you have a lot of power. It has to line up with the word of God. It has yeah. to line up with it the word of God. By what authority they're doing it? Yeah. Life of the person doing it as well. Yeah, knowing them by their fruits. Good. Yeah. And also, the spirit of Antichrist, specifically John, the author, this says his the way to test him is that he won't admit that Jesus Christ came. Yeah, yeah, John's, yeah, good. John said, the beloved, believe not every spirit, uh, but try them to see whether they've come yes. from God. Yeah, yes. and that was the test he gave. Yes. Yeah, and in Deuteronomy too, the Lord told the Israelites, he's, and I think we read this last time, but he said, um, you're going to have, you remember what, that? Yeah, that's what I was trying to refer to. Well, and he even told them, he says, there's going to be some prophets that arise that'll perform some sign oh. or wonder. He says, if a prophet arises that performs a sign or wonder and tells you to go worship other gods, put him to death. They are not there because, and he says, this is why I'm doing that. This is why I'm allowing that because I'm testing you to see if you're really loyal to me or not, to see if you really love me or not. Then he tells them they're going to do some kind of sign or wonder. You're going to be tempted, right? Like, oh, and, but if they're trying to get you to serve some other God, then toss it out. You know, that's, it's not a, it's not a valid, um, prophecy. So then with the, uh, image of the frogs uh you were asking like what what that represents yeah and you mentioned how they they multiply like crazy mm -hmm. uh, sounds to me like this verse is describing that the the three entities are sending out these evil spirits to do miracles and like frogs those spirits will be multiplied because the people in or the kings and the people that fall for those miracles yeah then take on that same yeah, spirit yeah. or that same, same spirit, yeah. that same thing they start supporting this and, they, right. and it grows oh, yeah. like a virus a or like a like a, a plague of frogs yeah yeah good good absolutely, absolutely. well i i want to say what what image comes to my mind is lies yeah like all yes, of these good. have yeah. lies coming out of their mouth and it's not an accident that they're coming spread. out of their mouths you know the yeah. evil spirits are coming out of their mouths oh. yeah go ahead and then, yeah in that like lies that spread because you know this other people start believing them yeah no that yeah absolutely absolutely and and notice throughout revelation sometimes just like do a word search for the word mouth in revelation and notice how many like weapons and things come out of mouths jesus when we first see him he has a sword coming out of his mouth here the dragon and the false prophet and the beast have evil spirits coming out of their mouths the the horses in the sixth trumpet had fire and brimstone coming out of their mouths. The two witnesses had fire coming out of their mouths. Battle is. It's, it it's is, because yeah. Because the power of the tongue is life and death. Right. So we're constantly right. have. It's that constant battle. It's either we're speaking life or death. Yeah. Yeah. Because the mouth can can spread, litter can spread evil, and it's a little thing, but it spreads when it. Yeah, just like frogs, it can or James said, it's like a fire. What what greater matter a little fire kindleth, right? Yes. Okay, go ahead, Agnes. So why is it three and not an even number? Well, because it's the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Yeah, that's right? what it reminds me of. God, so Jesus Christ, and the Holy yeah, Spirit. Like the opposite of the Holy Trinity. Except there is no. Holy right, right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we we it's, there's a lot of places in the Bible where I there's think like it's a, I think it's trying to mimic that in a sense, but just because it's trying to mimic the Godhead. Yeah. Not not truly meant saying it's a trinity, it's just trying to mimic a godhead. Well, there's three spheres that are being dealt with. So there's there's like um like in Isaiah it talks about even in like our own government, there's those three spheres like the judicial, the legislative, and the executive. And so like in Isaiah there's a place where it talks about um well, the law. No, it's the king, the law, and the judges. There's a verse in Isaiah that talks about it. And uh, and here, there, there's a similar thing. We see, like, the religious sphere is is propagating these lies. The governmental sphere, sphere is propagating these lies, right? And then there's the spiritual sphere, like the devil himself, that's propagating these lies. And so... Oh, so it's, like, more, like more systemic? More than yeah. the actual being, like, yeah, an actual right. individual or anything like that? Yeah, it would be like, like, in Israel, they had, they had the king, uh, or the judges, or whatever, they had the prophets, and they had the priests. They had those three spheres. So I, I don't think we should be thinking about the Godhead. I think we've been conditioned well, yeah. by... In America, we find the same, like, there's, like, we call liberalism or whatever in our government, but then there's the same thing going on in Hollywood, in the whole entertainment industry, and that... Good, so yeah. That's the thing, right? But then you also have the same thing going on religious spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just think about like the where we're from all different signs. Like we have, en oh sorry, <laughs> we have entertainment uh, bombarding us. We have the education bombarding us, and we have the political stuff bombarding us. You know, we have, and then and then in a lot of places it's the religious stuff, right? That's bombarding. That's still promoting the same ideologies, the same lies. And think about like if you know in Israel, like the king the priests and and the prophets were all corrupt which is what happened in um like israel israel uh they, they're all going in the same direction this is what's happening here at the end you know there's there's the spiritual forces from the dragon purely spiritual and then there's like the religious structure that people can see and then there's also the political structures that people well, think about too is where like if you think about our world and as a whole where is there like generally known authority or right. power, yeah. right? Yeah. The government, obviously, mm -hmm. being one, ha is, a, is a form of authority or power right. in everyone's life that is in that country, right? right? right. Then you've got the media, the well, they've got a spiritual authority, which is a different type or form right. of authority in someone's yeah. life, right? And and so there's those two authorities, and it's almost like it's representing like three powers or authorities of this world yeah. as as a contrast to God's authority. Right. Um, which, exactly. And Satan's behind it all. It seems as though yeah. these are yeah. these are the three powers that are gathering together their yeah. their yeah. army or their their uh, what do you call that? Their Yeah, their coalition. They're yeah. gathering together their followers. That's exactly what I think is going on. Like the uh, Karl Marx Charles Darwin, sure, and then yeah. there was the music guy Wagner, and all sure, three of yeah. them were just like pushing the satanic cure over Europe. Right, 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 right. In three different realms. Yeah, I think the devil does use. Uh, yeah, he likes. He tries to get. He tries to infiltrate all of these spheres. We people in general flock to certain ones. Exactly. So yeah. yes, they infiltrate all of them. Three different like sources like of even, influence. Even yeah. the church. That's why he's so he wants to influence the church mm -hmm. so much as well. Because yeah. that's where we gather, right? And if yeah. you can get in and start causing havoc. Yeah. Well like what's the interesting there too 
is both of the examples in that verse are talking about things that God created. Oh, yeah. Like, he yeah. created uh, and, and called the the government or powers, elects, whatever, to be there who they are. Good. Likewise, yeah. he's the one that, that, that called the church, created the church. Right. Satan can't create those things, but his but job is to, he, he yeah. tries to corrupt them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he's he's taking yeah, he's two known... He's not a known, creator, he's a destroyer. Yeah, guy. so he's, he's trying to infiltrate two things that God created for, for a purpose, yes, and he's trying well to said. taint them or... Yeah, influence them to to, yeah. to spread this this uh, false, prophet. Uh, false prophet or the yeah. the evil spirit, the Good. disease type thing, whatever they called it here. It's the yeah, and you think about the world today, and they they have prophets. Even even people that aren't religious have their prophets. You know that yeah, they're social yeah. justice warriors, or the you know the people in Hollywood, like you, like Ben said, or the educators that are pushing their you agendas. Believe, right? You don't believe in God. You believe in education. And yeah, yeah. Down. You don't believe in education. You believe in government. You believe yeah. In, you don't believe in. Government. And they're they're fulfilling that role of prophets, but for the wrong side. Yeah, and something else to think about, like. Satan knows it's going to be hardest for him to infiltrate the church. But the thing is, that's like, like how much time do we spend at church versus how much time do we spend out the world, watching the news, like going to school, going to work, and the politics of it all. Like if he can infiltrate all the other areas of our life, he doesn't need to get into church. Mm -hmm. I think that's why he strikes as much as he, he has in the last, couple years yeah well we see the in chapter 12 remember it said the devil uh he has come with great wrath knowing that his time is short right well, well think about the other thing too though is where is your guard down the most mm. when you're at church or when somebody is a fellow believer or, or a pastor or right. someone is used in a, in the church right. and authority yeah, that's a good question your your guard isn't up you're not looking at them with suspicion or looking at what what they're telling you with this hesitation right right so although he may come at us like she was saying through the rest all these other areas of our life or the world if he can infiltrate the church we are not as as uh, guarded to that so it, it kind of yeah. that that can be a, a way that you know, if he's infiltrating that way, it may be a way to... Right, the devil knows how to quote scripture, yeah. you know. <laughs> Same thing with the government, you know, if there's a lot of people that are not going to think, okay, the government, you know, is is a, a, a cause for, you know, suspicion, yeah. right? But others may think it is, whatever. But it, those two things, they have authority that's unquestioned. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, it, it if he's going to... I think get that's, to people, I think that's, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> I think that's why us as a church need to stick yes. together as a whole. And Well, I was hearing on the radio one time, it was the testimony of this man that used to be a Satanist, and then he had converted, and he was saying that he his job was to go in and infiltrate youth groups, and oh, he would... That's the he, I know. He would pick off the girls in the youth group, like get them to sleep with him, and he and then he would go to another church and do that. That's what part of his testimony. I mean, he had converted, but he said that's what he used to do. That's cool. Well, Brother Dieters yeah. mentioned uh, about uh, Wiccan. That's what they're trying. Yes. To, they're trying to do the same thing. They're are they? Yeah, wow. they're coming to churches. And to try to infiltrate. Well, yeah, they have yeah. the. Are you talking about the Mormons? They have the, the, the Satan's Club now in 
schools. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the thing is, the people that are influenced by evil spirits like this, they might have some power, you know, and that that can be seductive and be like, oh wow, like you're you're actually able to do stuff. Yeah. And that's that's what he's warning us about, you know, that we have to be on guard about. Nice and cozy. What were you gonna say, Ben? Were you? Oh, I mean, it's what you were saying about before about how we exalt like the white lab coat has become the yeah. lead ephod. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, absolutely. They regard it as a priest, like people right. who say, no, I don't, I, nothing in science or medicine, but they reject the Bible for the sake of, yeah. they say, I believe in science. Or you know, I found, right. I found, I found right. kind of weird, I found interesting that there was like a study that was done that, and I don't know like how well, you know, where, how they based this study or where, you know, where was their group of people that they got it from, but it's just like 90% of doctors uh, that they that they surveyed actually believe in God, and only ten percent of them are atheists. And then that that's but then as you get down like the healthcare line, like there's that kind of tends wow. to differentiate. But then with that high level of knowledge, there's still actually a greater majority of them that believe in God, whether if it's Jesus or a different type, because they understand that things are so complex that it's actually. But a lot of them, they know what message they have to speak, right? And so they don't, they don't broadcast like their beliefs. I think that's true in every level of science. Like, like the biology, they're all saying like, okay, we really have a creator. You you look at it, you analyze, you're like, wait, this is way too complicated, way too intricate. Like there has to way too highly designed for it to be just a you know, yeah, an accident. But a lot of them are really shocked when, like, when God does do a miracle, they're like, I've never seen this. Well, it's a, it's a pride, and I think it's a pride thing, because, yeah. you know, they go through, you know, years of education, and they're like, right. oh, I was told this was going to work, and then suddenly, I don't know, where it just works, and they did nothing, and they're like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So it's like... It's humbling. Does... 15 and 16 go along with that same vial then that he's describing. Yes, they do. Yeah, so let's read 15 and 16. I love 15. This is, so we're seeing this, the way of the kings of the east is being prepared, right? The the evil spirits are going out throughout the world. The, and so we're seeing this happen. And so what is the, how, how are we supposed to react to this? Like, what is our, what's the lesson for us? And I love, and you notice it's in red. It's like Jesus just pops in to say like, hey, yeah, and it's almost like it's almost like it doesn't fit. It's like, what? Where did this come from? You know? But Jesus is popping in to say, "Hey, here's the lesson I need you to take away from this." Well, it's kind of like it starts out with the the angel, the sixth angel pouring out a vial, uh-huh. and then that is uh, in in uh, contrast to that. Then you see. Uh, the 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 frogs exiting the mouths. So you've got a contrasting action. It's like an act of war by pouring out the vial, and then an act of war by gathering the oh, yeah, unclean spirits. Yeah, yeah. And then Jesus speaks after that, right? And I was kind of like, even though I haven't read it yet, just like looking at the con the contrast of like talking about the frogs and the many voices that are speaking versus that mm, now Jesus that one is, clear voice right but then there's Jesus that's coming in Good. subtly quietly yeah it actually has the most authority that's awesome that's awesome okay yeah let's let's read those 15 oh. and 16 oh yeah go ahead brother I, I just I just want to say you know so this is Jesus talking right 15, yeah it, it's weird that he uh, he's having these visions and everything everything uh, 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 this is the, this is the oh. first time that Jesus spoke in, in Revelation, right? No, he that in chapters one through three it was like all Jesus speaking. Oh, okay. Yeah, 
And then, uh, but we, this is, you know, he's been seeing a lot of stuff and he's been hearing the voice from the throne and stuff like that. But, but this is like, this is unique. This is this, like, this is the first time since like the trumpets and he's been and, sitting back watching all the negativity. And right. I was going to ask something else like to say, but I want to read this script. Is, okay. Right. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Since the trumpets have started being blown and, and, and now the vials, now he's stepping in right before the seven. Right. Yeah. Cause he, remember he gave the messages to the seven churches. And then, and then John started seeing all these things, but now, and they, again, he's coming in with a message for the church again. So, okay, who wants to read 15 and 16? I will. I'll read 16. Okay. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed, blessed is he that watcheth and keep his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. All right. We got to Armageddon. We went nice. there. Michael and I were there at Armageddon. <laughs> yeah. I like the movie. Nobody ever yeah. Nobody ever talks about Legageddon, but it was also pretty bad. Armageddon <laughs> is a physical place in Yeah. In Israel. In Israel. Yeah. Well yeah, so yeah, we'll talk about Armageddon in a second. Plains of Megiddo. Oh. Megiddo, yeah. It's what? Plains of Megiddo. Is the, the name of the place. Megiddo is a place. Yeah. Megiddo? Megiddo. <laughs> So, yeah, we'll talk about Armageddon here in a second. But first, let's talk about verse 15. I, so that's what I was, so I was thinking of, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of, so that's what I'm saying, like, so he's not, so there's something that makes me think about a thief in a way, it's like, you have to actively search for a thief. Because thieves are not going to come in, like, being noisy, they're not going to be, like, speaking, they're going to be very hidden. And you have to look for them. And they're not gonna but, call ahead and schedule with you, like you know. Right. Hey, put this on your planner. So, but for you to look, for for you to spot a thief, you you have to have an index of suspicion. You have to be on the lookout, because right now you're, you know, we're talking about all these, uh, you know, these spirits, these uh -huh, uh -huh. They, that came like frogs, and they're all over speaking, making a bunch of noise. But then you have to be able to step back from that noise and look around you to see, the the this hidden thing that's not able to be seen yeah and then like you find but then if you find him he takes you somewhere else away from that that's actually like you have to actively search for it good or, well yeah he says he says you have to watch you have to be watchful right. yeah well he's they just got done in the verse prior to that it said um that those uh for they are spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Mm -hmm. So Satan is out trying to gather his army, his all of these uh, unclean spirits mm -hmm. uh, in preparation for battle with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And while they're in this vision he's having, he's gathered, Satan's doing all this to gather all of his troops together. And Jesus, or, you know, God is like, hey, uh, behold, I come as a thief. Like all this preparation is yeah. is of like a thief. You you can put up fences, you can put up locks, you can put up everything to try to stop a thief from coming. But these these spirits are are preparing for war, and he's like, hey, I'm I'm gonna show up like a thief, yeah. and yeah. You're, none of this preparation is not gonna matter. That's good. Because I'm just yeah, gonna show up. I'm so and, and and this war is over. So yeah, yeah. A lock was put on to keep honest people honest and. <laughs> It's yeah. gonna figure out a way. Yeah, yeah. The thieves come in no matter what. 
That's good. Yeah, blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. He's saying, I come as a thief. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna show up, and those who are watching for me, keeping their garments on, being prepared to leave with me when I show up, mm -hmm. they won't be walking in front of uh, everyone naked because they were prepared, mm -hmm. looking for me, mm -hmm. prepared. Yeah. Uh, ready to leave. Yeah. yeah so good. he's, it's like he's, like you were saying, he's coming to pull us out of that. But you have to be watchful. You have to be prepared. You have to be prepared. Well, just like the, the virgins uh, keeping their candle uh, oiled. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's like if you ever like been to like a big event and you like, like, like a concert or something like that, like everybody there is so in tune with the entire thing, they're not paying attention to the surroundings around them. Mm. But then if like, you have that person, they'll take a step back mm. and then they'll see what's going on, whether if it's like, yeah, good yeah. or whatever is going on. Yeah. But only yeah. a few people will see that. Right, right. And we see the whole world wondering after the beast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I'm trying to think of how to put it in words, but it makes me think of like, when you're in a crowd, you know, and everybody's doing something, like especially I'm thinking about when you're in school, and to stand apart and to do the right things instead of mm -hmm. just blending in with what everybody else is doing the wrong thing, um, it, it takes a lot to do that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, if we're not standing strong, then everybody's going to see, you know, when we failed. Like, that's what we're, we're talking about walking naked and they see his shame you know because i mean nobody's perfect you know and but if we're not if we're not being totally watchful you know we could fall into you know just blending in with society kind of thing i don't know yeah i'm absolutely. explaining it no, right. yeah yeah it makes me think of like the whole image i we because uh when i splice fiber um sometimes we have to do it in the middle of the night and so we try to let people know that are our customers, but I, I went to Splice Fiber behind this guy's house one time and, you know, they had a real short fence that was split rail. So, you know, you could see right through it, but I, and so I'm, I'm like, I have like a tent set up, you know, I'm going back there and then the, he lets the, do, like the dog is barking at the door. The dog can see me. And so this guy comes out and he's just in boxer shorts, you know, and he opens the door and I was like, Oh, hey, sir, I'm just back here. It's like two in the morning. I'm like, I'm just back here spicing your fiber, <laughs> you know? But I was, I was thinking, I was like, he's a, he is not a prepared, like if I was a thief or something. <laughs> he's just walking around without clothes on. Yeah. I find it interesting though, because if you think about it too, though, it's like, I come as a thief and mm -hmm. he doesn't, ain't gonna announce himself. Mm -hmm. It's not right. gonna be noisy. Right. It's gonna be stealth, quiet. Yeah. Right. That's how that's how a thief works, right? He's right. not announcing and making noise. He's silently creeping, and well, that's you don't know the hour when he strikes. Right. That's why the ones of the Lord has got to um, be prepared and listen. Mm -hmm. I just yeah. I just got done reading this again, and I'm I think I might have misunderstood this here. So. It, the enemy is is gathering all of his mm -hmm. troops, mm -hmm. yeah. but in verse sixteen it says, and he and and he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. So it's like Jesus steps in and says, "Behold, I come as a thief," and then he's the one that takes all of these people that are preparing for yeah. battle. And he's like, yeah. "Okay." I'm gonna put you all in this environment yeah. where we're gonna battle. Now, and when when he pours out when the angel pours out the sixth vial, like 
they think they're all coming together of their own accord, but it's really the Lord who's calling this meeting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Lord's the one who's actually drawing them all together. Like, this is... Yeah. He's, Unskilled soldier versus... Yeah, like, and this is kind of a scary thing about God's judgment. What did he do? What did the vial do? It, it was poured out on the river Euphrates, which prepared the way for yeah. the kings of the east to come to their own destruction. You know? Yeah, yeah. God is is making it seem like they're getting what they want. Yeah, yeah. He's right. So, yeah. Like that's what they are pursuing. The worst judgment God can give us is to just give us what we think we want. Yeah. Well, that's, oh, my well, and that's what that's what happened in the Red Sea, right? They follow. Yeah. They follow. They follow yeah. the juice through, and they yeah, thought, good. Like, oh, great. This, hey, look, this Wallace to love. <laughs> That's like what? Like the Red Sea, he said. Like they're oh, like the they're like great. Yeah. Uh, the water's okay. still split. Let's just go. Yeah, we're gonna right go through, and it'll be great. Yeah, and, but it's God that's holding that back, and he's like, well, right. The thing is, though, like it says, "Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame." And he gathered them together into a place called. So who is he gathering together at the last? His people. All of the people that that kept their uh, have been gathering for this battle. That's what I just was looking at. I think it's well, the way I'm reading it. He's gathering the people that have that kept their garments. Faith, hmm. The faithful, right? Because up the top, yeah, it's the evil. The evil spirits were gathering the kings of so the earth. See that watcheth and keepeth his garments. And up, and up the whole world to gather them together to battle on the great day of God Almighty. But then it, when it says, Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Well, could it be those who are walking naked and who we're seeing the shame of? So... Mine has everyone, both good and bad. That's this what war. I mean. It's gonna that's... both sides are culminating right here. And I think minus verse fifteen in parentheses. It's like an like an aside. Like an aside. Right. So then the and they assembled them wouldn't be continuing verse fifteen. Oh, does your say they in verse sixteen? Yeah. Oh yeah, and in the King James says he gathered them together. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, interesting. Isn't he gonna gather all this like all the saints to the battle of Ar Armageddon and yeah. they're going to be in transformed bodies yes yeah yeah that's what i'm seeing here though Armageddon will that's kind of how i'm reading when that, that when that river's ready up michael it could be on the uh talking about lest he walk naked and they see his shame mm -hmm. that could be the people that have not kept their garments right yeah, right that's, they that's they have a form of godliness right yeah they, that's what i was wondering but yeah. they're embarrassed because they've professed christianity or yeah. living for god well, there's gonna be and they're not there they don't yeah. make the cut if you will and, yeah and, and so now know. they're embarrassed that they didn't Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you said that, brother Ed. Yeah, yeah. They sinned. Yes. They were ashamed yeah. of their nakedness. Well, it's yeah. like the yes. five wise and the five foolish well, virgins. Right. The right. ones that were left behind were embarrassed. Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, and there's lots of Jesus parables where he has the same theme of uh, where he says like this phrase like I'm coming as a thief, and he talks about you know the kingdom of God is like a man who goes on a journey and he leaves his servants in charge 
And then some of the servants start eating and drinking and getting drunk and not taking care of his stuff. And he says he's going to come back on them in a day when they're not expecting it. And then they're going to get a punishment, right? Right. And then he says, so be like those servants who watch for their Lord and who are ready for his coming, you know? And like all, notice like when with Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve sets that standard of like the nakedness and the shame, right? When, when they're, when they're without sin, they're naked and not ashamed. But then as soon as the sin enters in, then they, they're ashamed. They're trying to cover up their nakedness. And then you start to see that theme throughout scripture. So Noah, when he comes off the ark and he's, and he gets drunk, and it says he's uncovered in his tent. He's naked and his shame is exposed, right? The um, uh, uh, Saul, when Samuel, like, he comes to Samuel, he's trying to get David, and then he ends up laying down prophesying, and it says he removes his garments. He's laying there naked, and you're like, that's so weird, but it's his shame is being exposed, you know? There's this, there, and there's this, even Peter, after he denied the Lord, in the, when he went back out fishing, um, you know, after he denied the Lord, and then Jesus appears to him in a resurrected body. And uh, John's like, hey, that's the Lord on the shore. And it says Peter grabbed his coat and put it on him because he was naked. Like he was, he was exposed. Like, and so you start to see this theme all throughout scripture. So if you're keeping your garments close is, is saying living a clean life or a life that, that's without sin or, or a repented life of sin, right? You're, you're not walking or living in sin. You're not entertaining sin. So when the Lord does come, there's nothing to be exposed. There's no nakedness to, to be ashamed of. The garment that he's talking about, where do we get the garment so that, because we, we are all exposed in our shame and in our sin. Like we all have that. There's only one garment that we can keep that's going to keep us. And it's the garment that the Lord provides. Like he says, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, like the garment of his righteousness, right? That's, that's the garment we have to keep. And, and the fact that he says we have to keep it means that it is possible to uh, lose that garment, right? To not not have that garment, and so well, he lose it, but you would give it up. Right, right, right. You can't lose it. You could only give it away. Or that's crazy. That's so crazy. Well, you have to be. He's saying you have to be diligent. You know, yeah, you can't you be clothed in righteousness. Because yeah, the the contrast of like watching and keeping your garments versus like is like. Uh, blessed is he who watches and who keeps his garment. You know, there's a there's a diligence that's required. There's a focus. There's a you know, it's like, so like Peter, uh, and it's funny, Jesus tells all these parables about that we've been bringing up, the five wise and five foolish and the uh, the servants that, you know, are waiting for their Lord. And he keeps saying at the end of them, watch, watch. And then, then he takes his three disciples, Peter, James, and John into the garden. And he says, watch with me, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing and the flesh is weak and they fall asleep. And what you'll see in scripture is the opposite of watching is sleeping. In the uh, it's a, in Greek, the word yeah, dude, doesn't it say literally means to lie sleepless? Like yes, you're that's, at night, yes, it's yeah, nighttime, oh, and you yeah. can't fall asleep. You have to. Yeah, I just look. I just looked it up before coming, and that yeah, that's exactly that's what why he re- he says that he comes like a thief in the night. So in the commentary that I have, watching. yeah, it says his statement presents a challenge to tribulations believes to stay alert. They will be blessed if they do so, knowing Jesus will return to earth suddenly and unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. His return will will take unbelievers by surprise, just as these visit take a homeowner by surprise, and it's frightful event. The Apostle Paul informed the Thessalonian believers that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. 
The tribulation begins, therefore, like a thief in the night, and also concludes like a thief in the night. Yeah. Well, yeah, except for, I don't know, the last part was breaking the rules a little bit. But, uh, but uh, I did want to read, I did want to go to that passage in First Thessalonians because it, it also clarifies a little bit of the uh, of the garments, which is pretty cool. And just real quick, I, I checked a couple other translations uh, just to try to figure out who what the verse 16 was, was about there. Uh -huh. And in the other translations, it, it says... Uh, one of them being, it says, then the spirits brought the kings together in the place that in the Hebrew is called. Oh, yeah, that like went along. With yeah. That. So I, I think what it, what it what it was talking about there was that these unclean spirits are going out uh, in the image of frogs, doing miracles, gathering the kings and the people of this world together as this the Satan's form of army, Jesus. Pops in and says, "You know, uh, blessed is he who keeps his garments, so that we don't become one of the ones that right. that falls for this unclean spirit yeah. that's going around and and posing oh. these miracles." Yeah. And then he says that, and then it says, "Okay." After he, Jesus pops in and says that, then the the spirits that are gathering all these people together are gathering them they they brought them all to the the place of battle or where the armageddon yeah yeah and you might think like oh well surely we're going to be alert if like if all this stuff is going on but like yeah. even in um one of the sieges of jerusalem and with isaiah they saw the assyrian army was coming and he says the princes of ephraim were getting uh they're getting drunk and they're vomiting on the tables, and they're saying, "Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die." You know, there was like this live, like let live. Yeah, yeah, like this whatever. pessimism because everything was going so badly. They could see everything going so badly, so. and they basically just like gave up. They're like, "All right, this is crazy. Like we're we're all dead anyway." And that's funny because <laughs> you, you hear that like that mindset, and you, some people will use this quote, and they'll say, "Well, I'm here for a short time, not for a long time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, that yeah. was their attitude. That was yeah. like their and that's motto. What, and that's why, like, have fun now because it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's look at that First Thessalonians passage real quick. First Thessalonians five. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety and sudden destruction come up upon them. A travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in darkness, that they, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of the light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Nice. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others. The opposite of being watchful. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are the day of the day be sober, putting of the breath, breastplate of faith and love and fort and helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And you notice the garments that are being used there is armor. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation. Mm -hmm. Like, keep those things on. Make sure that you're ready, that you're prepared. You know? That sometimes it feels like, oh, well, it's a little heavy, and I don't feel like I really need to. You know, he's like, no, keep your, keep your armor on. You know? He's going to come as a thief in the night. 
So let's not sleep like others do. Let's not get drunk like others do. Let's be sober. Let's be ready. Amen. Um, for that reason. I was trying to think of what Brother Dieter said Sunday about the, um, about the helmet of salvation, about how if you, if you get the revelation, yeah, nothing can stop you. Yeah, and, good. And, and yes, that, yeah. that's in your mind. Yes, yeah, yeah. And there's even even with all of these things, like the the kings of the earth and like the miracles, the the false prophets and like all these things. And yet, if you have that helmet of salvation, if you have that breastplate of righteousness, right? You're moving forward, and you're like, I'm I'm unaffected. I'm gonna be faithful. I'm gonna be true. I'm not gonna fall asleep. I'm gonna, you know, like there's there's this uh, immunity <laughs> that we have. And one more one more passage before we stop. I want to go to Revelation three one through five because uh, this was this was one of the messages to the seven churches, and it fits so well with what chapter Jesus three? said in chapter sixteen. Chapter yeah, three. Revelation chapter three, verses one through five. And the angel said of the church in Sardis, write these things that saith seven spirits of God and seven stars. I know thy works, and thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. And be watchful and strengthen the things which remain and are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast fewest names, and even Sardis, which have defined their garments, and shall walk with me in right, for they are worthy. For he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And, and I shall blot out the name. I will not blot. I will not blot out the name of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Yeah, it's like the he's he throws the message to Sardis in again right at the end. You know, saying you have a name that you're alive but you're dead. So strengthen the things that remain. Be watchful. You have there's still a few names that haven't defiled their garments like we were talking about earlier. They walk in white for they're worthy and uh i don't know if you get it was a long time ago that we talked names about names that defile their garments what do you mean by that like what's he mean well i think like what you were talking about earlier with compromise and with sin oh um and i when we covered sardis when we were going through the seven churches one of the things about sardis it was a city that was built up on a hill and so it was very hard to conquer but they were conquered twice um because people were not watchful and if you remember, one of the times the army came in and, they're, and they don't know how to conquer the city. They have us surrounded, but they're up there on the hill. And there was a soldier up on the hill and he, uh, he nodded off to sleep and his helmet fell off, interestingly enough. And uh, he came down and there was a secret passage. And he didn't think anybody was watching him, but he, he goes through the secret passage. But the enemy soldiers were hiding in the trees and they saw the weak point where he came out and got his helmet and went back up. And then they, they brought their soldiers in while the rest of the town was sleeping. Through that secret passage. Through that secret passage, and they were able to take the city. And so Jesus, and so this is a city, oh, wow. and that he's telling the church in the city, he's like, spiritually, you need to be watchful, because yeah. I'll come on you as a thief in the night. But not even that, like what you were just talking about, our slack 
yeah. exposes our weakness yeah. to the enemy. Yeah, exactly. So like when we when we slack off or we fall asleep, yeah. we're supposed to be watching. When we're not paying attention, we let loose of our helmet. the enemy is yeah. still watching us, mm-hmm. and so we show our weak point, and we it's it gives the enemy an access or an idea how to come against us because right. we expose ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And so this this theme, be watchful, strengthen the things that remain. Yeah. Yeah, don't fall asleep. Stay awake. <laughs> right? This is all part of that. Wow. And there's a lot of ways that that can be implemented because it's like a sleep in the spirit, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Not keeping a clear mind, getting caught up with the things of this world. One, one last thing about uh, when Jesus talks about this, he, and he talks about Noah and Lot and the judgment that came on Sodom and the judgment that came on the world. And when he talked, and Brother Gus read through this uh, a couple weeks ago at church, and what what struck me when, actually, I think Ben might have pointed this out which, to me. Which verse? Well, in Luke 17. And he says, um, he says, just as, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. And usually when we talk about that, we talk about like, oh, because they, they were so sinful and people are so sinful now. But the things that he lists aren't actually sinful things. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They'll be eating and drinking. They'll be getting married. Uh, he, and then he goes on and he says, like it was in the days of Lot, so it will be. They planted, they builded, they they sold, they just bought. Living. They're living. Yeah. They're, but they're so caught up just in this they temporal life yeah. that they that then this flood comes on them unawares, that the fire and brimstone comes on them unawares, right? The thief in the night comes unawares, you know? And even just living life, not really paying attention. Complacent. Yeah, becoming complacent is, so is like, the danger. But in the days of Lot, Lot, they were so corrupt, right? Yeah, they were, but it's just interesting that he doesn't mention those yeah, things. He, yeah, he because I think he's giving us a warning, like, hey, yeah. it's not just if you're like, you know, gang raping people, but it's like people were just, they were going about their lives, you know? Yeah. Buying and selling and planting and building and, you know? Okay. And th- those are the things that he lists that that the day of judgment came on them unawares. Okay, because so, the people that are sinning greatly aren't going to be surprised as much. Well, it's almost well, like they will. Uh, he said it for our benefit. Like well, like think about yeah, think about these um, uh, these kings of the earth that are like gathering together to battle, or even like the people that says you know they're being scorched by the sun. But they're not repenting to give God yeah. glory. You know, they're, they're, uh, um, what, what were we reading earlier? Uh, well, actually, in chapter 18, when we get to chapter 18 in a couple months, um, well, <laughs> what, what we'll see is that Babylon, what Babylon's known for, is a lot of stuff that we like today. You know, they're known for all their fine clothes, they're known for all their, uh, fine foods. They're known for right, and pe- and all the people of the earth are wailing because yeah. Babylon yeah. has fallen. You know, because they're doing their business, but they're disregarding the. Yeah. Uh, there's there's two things we need to repent of. We need to repent of the evil deeds, the sodomy, the all those things. But we also need to repent of just not giving God glory. You know, both of those repentances in this chapter are necessary. Yeah, and sometimes it's more seductive just going about life than it is even the sinful things, you know? Well, that's another thing too, away. though. Like, it, you hear so much about how it's going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah and mm-hmm. the Lord's going to come back. When you hear about these things, people's mindset is, okay, when things start to get really bad, that's when God's going to come right. back. So as long as things are not going bad, 
the mindset would be, I'm good. I know everything's going to be fine. I got time. I got, yeah. I have this measure yeah. of comfort right. where I can live my life and not be watchful. And we're so good at deceiving ourselves and trying to convince ourselves that things are okay, that yeah. we still got it under control when really they're not. Like right. in Sodom, we look at Sodom and we're like, that is horrible. How could anybody live like that? But to them, that was daily life. Right. Hey, some strangers came. Let's go get them. You know, like that was just like part of their, the way they lived. They didn't see it as like this horrible, horrible sin. They just saw it as this is just part of, part of what we do, you know? So, and so to them, they were just, they were just living life. You know? Yeah, that's true. When you think about Hollywood, I mean. <laughs> that's a good application of what we're talking about. There's a, there's a lulling to sleep, even just like the things they're putting in, like, like Disney, you know, they, they, every show, everything that they, it all has some kind of homosexual relationship. Yeah. Well, why are they doing that? Because they're trying to get us to sleep to where it's not shocking it's anymore. It's yeah. just like, well, this yeah. is just life. This yeah. is just, yeah. well, I was just talking about that with, uh, with my father-in-law the other day, even. So right now we see that happening with homosexuality mm -hmm. or whatever the, mm -hmm. that, Transgender. yeah, the trans stuff, whatever, that whole sexual immorality is being in input into just about every kind of media, right? Yeah. TV, movies, whatever, because it's becoming normalized. Mm -hmm. right. But one of the things that wasn't as shocking that is also in every show, movie, whatever that you see is the theme of divorce. Yeah. Yes. And that's been going on. That's yeah. been going on for years. Yeah. And I, I was talking to a, a guy that works on our crew the other day, and he said that he, he you know. He said, my wife likes to watch all these shows. And he said, he said he calls it, to him, it's like divorce uh, pornography. It's like glorifying divorce, yeah. right? All these shows and movies and stuff. And it, it, I was like, that's, I never heard anybody say something like that before. And then I started thinking about it. Well, divorce is in every show and movie. Yeah. And they show these, you know, split families like this is it's become normalized right, right. almost glorified as in it the grass is greener if you know if this happens yeah. yes. and and that's when it like when he said that it had me thinking okay like i hadn't even noticed it myself but right. now that i'm thinking about it that's in a lot of the media and stuff that you see today too. Right. Or like, right. or like just straight up like adultery that's in right. TV shows and all yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, living together. Yeah, that's something not. So we're appalled by, you know, them putting uh, uh, gay right. people in every movie, but but where's the, where's the awareness of the other things right, too? Right, because right. that's yeah. not normal well, either. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's already yeah. so. Normalized. When TV first came out, like even on Dick Van Dyke, they had them sleeping in separate beds. Yeah. Right. The, like, and they were a married couple. We're, we're, we're all not that old. You used to not be able to add a toilet paper because that was something that was used in And now, television shows. Okay, so next week we'll move on to Armageddon.